At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Good morning, everybody, and we are live streaming once again. We have a guest from the United Kingdom joining me. Sandra, thank you so much for being on Operation Tango Romeo today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's a pleasure, and let's just start with your book, Blast from the Past. What inspired you to write it? Um, Well, I actually um, was talking about how to become um, a writer, author, whatever your writing interests were. And um, as on a number of occasions, uh, a lady uh, approached me um, and said, I've got a story for you, um, which you you hear quite often. It's encouraging that people want to approach you. And um, she told me about her, briefly about her husband and how he'd been in Afghanistan, um, what he'd been through, um, how he's um, come to terms with PTSD, um, other uh, mental health issues, and um, she asked me if I would talk to him, and she believed he had a, a compelling story to tell. Um, I I did agree. I did I did speak to them. Um, I also spoke to several of his friends, and um, the stories they had to tell was truly heartbreaking. Um, not just the the no, I'm not saying just, but not for also for the people that they leave behind um, when they go on deployment, their families, how they cope um, or don't cope, um, what they go through, how they become the wives themselves, spouses. They they become a family themselves because they rely on each other. They they become a family unit themselves. They they support each other, and like all families, they have, have the, the squabbles and the you know, the, the making up, but um, the the most um, interesting part was um, how they actually come to deal with some of these things that are happening to them. And some of them had no idea because you can't always detect um, PTSD from any given symptom or effect. Um, it can, it can be, Anything, stress can be related to anything, headaches, uh, sleep deprivation, um, flashbacks, nausea. Um, these things are warning signs, and unless you know how to deal with them, and we're not all doctors, we don't know, um, it's how to get the help you need. And um, out of them, um, the 33 people I, I spoke to um, since the publication of the book, five have um, found it so unbearable. They've, um, well, they, they've died and um, through self-harming. And um, just, it's sadly... Just, just say the words. It's, it's just... Um, they died a, by suicide. A terrible loss. Terrible loss. Yeah. We, we, um, we, we, can't, uh, we can't hide from the word. We can't, yeah. we can't, we can't shy away from it. They died by suicide. No. And you know, I, these families have. We've since then 
um, I've become more involved with um, groups with such like PTSD, mental health, domestic abuse. Um, we don't always know um, when someone's suffering with PTSD what their families actually go through and what they try to do to save them. I mean, I, I'm in touch with um, a parent that lost his son and um, he, he still, to this day, years later, doesn't understand why he chose to take his own life. He had so much going for him, but he just couldn't, and he, he just couldn't take the pain any longer. And to me, um, suicide prevention, you, you can't, fight it enough it, it's just constantly there um more and more of our service men women um they, they are finding it a struggle um the official government you know, numbers so many um charities organizations I'm not, I'm not just talking about the uk here i'm talking about worldwide i mean i'm touch i'm in touch with so many we've brought up such a very big um charity community i mean you're talking from people that just wants um the transition period is it's it's hard it's very hard i mean i come from a forces background and leaving the forces and everything familiar behind you that you've had that security of a family unit no matter how big or small it's just the fact that you're taking a very big leap you're going from wearing a uniform one day to not the next and how do you become that person? How do you suddenly change from being that person when that's all you've done? So the transition period, can, it's very stressful, very stressful. So I try to work with as many organisations, um, charities. I mean, people contact me every day. I, I'm swamped with emails um, and, um, you know, messages of various um category of can you help me i mean sometimes it's simple things like um do you know of a you know a home near me or you know i'm moving to i don't know oxford from london um, 100 miles down the road can you help me is there any charities is there any organizations that can help me advise me or it's becoming people that are homeless i mean we have a, a lot of veterans that are homeless and um that's sad um, they fought for the country, and um, sadly they're left wayside. Um, maybe it's here that we have a different uh, opinion of our military, as though they got paid to do a job. Let's get that's it. Forget them. It shouldn't be that way. Um, they've probably seen more horrors than I'll ever see in my entire lifetime, um, but they do deserve our support. We can't turn our backs on people doesn't matter who they are i mean I've, i'm finding that i'm getting invited to schools um to discuss mental health issues of um teenagers i mean obviously we're all aware of covid and the restrictions of covid of you know the isolation suddenly they're thrust back into a huge group of friends and uh, you know and it's it's like how do we cope how do we cope with schoolwork how would you you know so there's constantly sort of like at the back of the minds it's how do we cope now um after like a year of being isolated and having no one to suddenly being 
thrust back into it. Oh, get yeah, back onto it now. It's fine. It's over. It's done with. Just let's cope with it. Of the thirty, so it, Sandra, of the thirty-three st- stories that you collected for your book, uh, Blast from the Past. What were some of the effective coping strategies that people told you that they used to survive and manage PTSD? Um, one was talking. Um, and that is what I totally agree with. If you can't feel that, you know, a psychiatrist is, is, is the, you know, you can't approach a psychiatrist and you, you feel you don't need a psychiatrist for whatever reason, um, talk to a friend. Tell them, just approach them. Just it starts with a few words. Um, some of them, uh, this is how the, the group that I worked with ended up being <laughs> all of them being in the book because one told the other, and it's like I mean, it didn't just happen that suddenly they told me all their problems and what happened to them. It took four years. That book took four years because suddenly. These people have gone from not being able to trust someone to sort of like, well, I'm not going to spill my beans or, you know, just because you've asked me to or my friends asked you to or something. So it it was getting them to talk openly. Um, some couldn't. I'm not going to, you know, say everybody's just like, okay, we got blown up. Um, uh, an amputee, he, he found it very comforting i think to actually say what he had to say about it and And it's not um, just it's not just talking it's the talking is processing so and processing in in a place where you're not going to feel judged you're not going to feel like you're made to feel like you're crazy or there's something wrong with you and uh i mean technically you're injured there is something wrong it needs you know you're you're bleeding we need to stop the bleeding yeah Um, when it's like anything if you've got if you've got a cut you can see it mm -hmm. if you've got something in your mind that's not visible um it's something you can't see people hide them for such a long time so how how do we find this how do we detect this um as I say, there's um, so many symptoms, so many issues with PTSD, mental health. Well, I'm um, not surprised that when I asked you for uh, the coping strategies that you hear, the, the first one that came to your mind is people talking, because what yes. we're actually talking about is peer support. And um, uh, what I was alluding to uh, a moment ago is that peer support done right opens up um, creates an environment where somebody feels comfortable to to talk, to share yes. their story so that they can process it. Um, this is also a very dangerous spot because most, yes. because most people, without knowing how to be a good peer supporter, uh, will screw it up. And yeah. uh, most people, it takes everything they have to reach out for help mm-hmm. and to share their story once. And if that story is invalidated... If that story is um, belittled belittled in any way, uh, that could be the last time they ever reach out for help. And it's it, do- it doesn't, do- doesn't happen again. It's a very, um, you walk in a very fine edge of who do you trust? That's right. Who do you trust? Um, I mean, I was, when I was talking to some of these guys, I mean, 
one of them, um, he phoned me one night, say one night, two o'clock in the morning. Um, he'd been haunted by such images of what happened. Now you're talking about his, he was stood at the side of his friends and his friends got, he was blown to pieces and they picked up 12 pieces of him. And this is what he sees every day when he picks up, when he wakes up in the morning and he's opening his eyes. He, that's what he envisions every day. And, you know, um, and he rang me, he was in so, he was so distressed, um, heartbroken. Um, and I sat on the phone for four hours, you know, just tell me, talk to me because I found him very much on the edge. I, I seriously believed he, he would hurt himself and, you know, to come, um, to be on the phone, it's hard because you can't actually see that person. You don't know what that your next words will do to encourage that person to either have had enough or okay, you know. And I, I sat and I, four hours we was on the phone and he was just telling me so much, even some things that weren't totally relevant to what, what he's, he started out with. But it doesn't matter. He was talking. He he was, you know, breathe, you know, just keep breathing. And to me, when somebody trusts you with those emotions, I couldn't. I don't know about other people. I, well, I half, couldn't. Half is what's happening is the processing of the information, processing of the story. But the other half, and maybe even the more important half, is that the act of talking with somebody is creating connection. Um, yeah. The pain of PTSD is disconnection, disconnection from yourself, from others, uh, disconnection, isolation. That is a big chunk of the pain. Uh, that is oh, the yeah. injury. So just the act of talking that creates that connection with another human being so that you don't feel isolated, that in itself that, is is critical and it's healing. I mean, there is, like say, 12, 12 of these guys that, and they trusted me with their stories and they're, I mean, obviously I changed the names and um, various other pieces of information, but um, they trusted me to tell their story and they're, they're happy with how it's come across. Um, and um, the thing is, I would never betray their trust. Um, one guy in particular, um, one of the guys that, um, unfortunately chose suicide um his brother i was taking comments for the book just one sentence to put in the book their thoughts on either the book or a personal experience whatever they wanted to mention come from them yeah so these quotes and i i spoke to this young man and i said look um if you've got something you want to say and he said Basically, he said, I wish I'd have spoken about it a long time ago. He says, because talking to you has been the best therapy I've ever had. He said, it's just made me realise I should have done it a long time ago. And um, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd edited all the book and everything. And um, one day his, his brother rang me and said, um, I've got some bad news for you. He said, um, my brother's... Um, 
was found this morning. He couldn't take the pain anymore, and he's, um, you know, he's passed away. So I said, um, I said, look, I says, you know, I, I can't even imagine losing a brother. Um, but um, if you want me to delete any of his comments, his story, anything that you think will hurt him or cause him pain for your family, I will delete it now before it goes to print. And um, he said, no, he wanted you to have his story and that's fine with us. Listening, I was, pro- I was truly heartbroken that he, he'd chosen this because he'd, he'd gone through all this pain and suffering and he just couldn't take it anymore. He tried several times, you know, to end his life, but we always thought he, he would fight back and he'd come to a time he couldn't fight any longer. Sandra, the uh, numbers that you gave me, 5 out of 33, are not reflective at all of government numbers. So mm-hmm. it, it seems to me that governments are really playing with the numbers to yeah. to, uh, to minimize. Because 5 out of 33 according um, compared to five out of a hundred thousand which is closer mm. to what official numbers uh are oh, well um, you see that five out of 33 is the entire families yeah you're talking actually 12 men so, so five, five out of 12 yeah the servicemen themselves is five out of the 12 which is quite shocking. It is quite shocking. I um, just for my own. Thirty-three people were including of the families, right? Um, wives, spouses. Well, it went and, went, um, went from a horrific number to an even worse number. Yes, it's it's a a terrible loss. I mean, I I got um, statistics from an American friend, and he. Um, the foundation themselves, they said they lose on average 17 veterans a day to suicide. That's, that's not, it shouldn't even be one. It should not be one. Listening to all the stories that you listen to, to put together your book blast from the past. How difficult was that for you to hear these stories and, Oh, it's horrific. And not just hear them, but process them and then put them on paper. Oh, it was was horrific. Um, I heard um, things. I see um, x-rays of um, people that had been through various operations, hearing um, things like, oh, he was my best mate, he was blown to pieces, Um, he was stood at the side of me, got a bullet in the face. Um, it's It's a very matter-of-fact way of talking. Yeah. Um, and um, it, to be honest, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> I have to admit, because I'd never known this. I mean, I like I say, I come from um, an ex-military relationship myself. I never experienced anything like that, never. Um um, and when we we started uh, processing these stories, um, you have to get time to know them. I mean, really know them, get them to trust you, 
they're not going to trust you just like that. Nobody is. Um, and it took a long time for one or two of them to actually, one wouldn't talk to me for like four months at all, but he wanted me to turn up. He just wanted me to turn up and just talk to him. Um, and he never said a word the whole time I was there. And then another time he would get yes or no or, you know, one one word answers. But to actually get him to open up was a very emotional time um, because I had these people's stories and they trusted me. And you, when you are trusted to that extent, you cannot back out of it. You cannot, it's um, it's a bond with them. Um, I hope we will always have it. I mean, I feel, um, you know, if I was ever in trouble, you know, these guys, I could lean on them or, you know, they can come to me at any time, you know, because to me that's important. They know I wouldn't betray their confidences. Um, we was asked on a, a TV programme if we give the right names and must not a chance, not a chance. Yeah, you know, these that's, people, uh, none, none unless that's what they request. That's for sure. Yeah, I, you keep the word. Um, and um, they were, they're very, um, there are, there is a couple of them that are, are getting on with their lives, uh, they're in new relationships, uh, they're in uh, a, a positive place is all I can say. Did you have any um, problems with uh, classified information? Did you had to did you have to clear the book first through uh, the military? Anything like that? Yeah, I did in uh, a few <laughs> a few um incidences um we had to confirm this really happened um especially when using actual video footage. We had to I mean obviously I couldn't use anything like that but it confirmed what they were telling me was true. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the, um, you know, Official Secrets Act, you, you've used thin line, and I wouldn't betray that, but I still had a job to do, and um, this is why we changed the names. Um, we changed various places because of their security jobs now, and um, some of them are in quite important jobs and they don't want the hassle of um, old memories if you if you like um, collecting these stories they, and then sharing sorry? these collecting these stories and then sharing these stories through your book how did this change you personally um i looked on i looked at the afghanistan and iraq in a bigger picture you know i was probably like most people oh, uh, we're going to Afghanistan, we're going to Iraq. Um, it's something else that's come along, you know, we're going to fight another war. And, um, I mean, I'm talking way back when when we had the Falklands. So, um, I mean, you're talking then of you accepted it, but you didn't actually understand what these people were going through. I mean, um, like some of the stories, it's like the media was only interested when something really bad happens um and um they felt forgotten um i mean two two of the um veterans that we used in the book were american um very nice chaps and um 
they give me a different insight to how they was treated and you know how the, how things happen with them um the other guys they were pretty um most of them were british um different backgrounds um there was nothing i picked significant to actually think oh you know this person's going to be right for the book i just interviewed as many people that would talk to me i mean you're talking wives that um their husbands have left them because they felt they was dangerous to live in the house because they would wake up trying to strangle them uh, uh, you know so um it's just that she didn't love not love him but she didn't feel safe and he didn't feel you know, he had to protect her uh, well-being. So there was different reasons for these people to contact me. And um, I've not had anyone um, slate the book in any way. I've not had any negative comeback from the people in the book. Um, the characters that were based on them, um, it's what happened. They have said this, it's like being back there which I was worried about, to be honest, um, because some of these people... Those that aren't ready won't read it. Um, there's, no. there's books that I can't read. Uh, I was never... Yeah. Uh, my war was in Croatia, so I can't yeah. really read much about that. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's books... There's a few books that are... Um, it's a forgotten war. But Afghanistan, because I wasn't there, it's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So, um, and everybody looks after themselves that way. We have our own boundaries yeah. of what we can uh, observe and what we can't. Yeah, I mean, we had some um, some funny stories that were, you know, that they also enjoyed, and uh, you know, they had the banter and they had the the little pranks and things like that, which you know, they were a family. They were all in the same boat. They were a family. They were forced together by circumstances. And um, these this bond will never be broken. Will never be broken. And you know yourself, if you've served with someone, you have that bond. Um, I feel I have because they've shared so much. Um, didn't know what I was getting into when I, when I started the book. Uh, I didn't know how long it was going to take. Um, certainly didn't think it was going to take as long as it did. And um, But um, I'm pleased that I, I did the book. I am pleased for them. Um, if it helps them face um, the, the need for comfort, support, just so that no people support them. Very few of them think, oh, well, you know, we're in the forces, nobody cares. You know, nobody cares what happens to us. We're just doing a job. But it shouldn't be like that. It's, it's, we can all think like that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm there, just. There are so you know. many stories to collect. Is there already pressure on you to do a sequel or a series? Actually, I've, um, I've got a major project underway. Um, and it's, um, the Italian campaign of World War Two. And there is not a too lot many people of, left um, alive that can tell those stories. Yeah, um, there is quite a few. Um, I've had such an amazing response. I mean, overwhelming. I might, you're talking, I mean, I can't, can't go into too much, but so many high profile um, foreign attaches, ambassadors. I've even got a letter from 
Buckingham Palace in support of the book. My goodness. So that's pretty, it's going to be a pretty awesome book. And the stories that these um, gentlemen, um, the surviving veterans of World War Two, and um, actually there is some in Canada too, um, which I've been in touch with, an amazing guy and the family's absolutely fantastic. And um, we, um, we don't realise how much these people go through in this time and how it changes their lives afterwards. And the diaries, um, the photographs, um, it's just, it's just, it's just overwhelming that these stories will, I hope, come to life. I mean, there's so many people. Um, how's the book come in? Um, obviously, the people that um, can no longer um, communicate. Um, obviously, we've lost a couple over the last couple of years, but. Um, the families have sent me diaries. Um, Canada um, in in London, uh, Canada House in London, been so supportive. Um, they're an amazing group of people. Put me in touch with all sorts of um, historical um, contacts, associations. Um, there's actually um, the Legion magazine, Canada Legion magazine. They're actually um, keeping me informed so many people have contacted me and um the allied countries it's going to be such a, <laughs> a large book I, I don't know whether it's going to be one book at this mo- moment in time but um i can't thank the people enough that have actually come to me and thanked me and letters and cards i even someone i don't know who um i posted something on the social media Someone sent me two Italian campaign war medals in a little plastic bag with just my name on it. And I, it was just, I thought there were two old coins. And I opened the bag and it was two military medals for the Italian campaign. And um, there was no letter. There was no return address. There was nothing. Well, if and you I, find I, yourself in Canada, I'll bring you over to uh, the Museum of the Regiments and give you a tour of that personally uh, in Calgary. Yes, that, that would be lovely. I would be lost there. I think we'd have to kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, it's it's quite the thing. And um, Oh, yeah. Uh, there are those that have collected uh, video interviews of numerous veterans from all kinds of different campaigns. Uh, and that's stuff... That's, oh, a, that's an act that's been done around the world, but uh, just yeah. in Alberta here... Um, Al Cameron has a long list. Uh, he's not a veteran himself. Um, and it's actually interesting to me, those that haven't served that are collecting these stories. It must be such a it's, bizarre history. experience yeah. to, to be collecting I mean, I, these stories. My um, grandfather um, was at the Somme. Um, he never spoke about First World War when he came back. I mean, he died when I was a baby. But um, he would never talk about the war. And um, it, it was um, something he couldn't, he couldn't cope with. And um, my uncle, a, he went the to Psalm was a The psalm was a total slaughter. Uh, Beaumont, Hamel. Yes. yes. Um, all of it. There's so a lot, lot, of, lot of Canadians died there. Yes. 
yeah. Well, um, I'm doing um, a piece at the moment on the new book, and it's um, the purse. Um, and they they are so um, they they lose so many people. So it's a it's a tragic loss of life. Um, and all this because the Italian campaign was to make way for the Normandy landing. And for that, they they don't get the recognition they deserve. Um, and so many, I mean, I, I wrote to one particular um, ambassador and he was very kind. And he said to me, nothing... He says, you are doing a, a wonderful job, he says, and we can't thank you enough. He says, because we have been forgotten. Heroes. Um, because to me, so many people died, and they don't get the recognition today that they should. There was a huge um, uh, ceremony for the um, Normandy um 75th anniversary something like that a couple of years ago and um, someone was laying a, a poppy reef at the cenotaph in London and um, he said it's behalf of the people that died in the Italian campaign and <laughs> a commentator went never heard of the Italian campaign what is it you know and that's a tragic tragic loss for so many to die and also those that um, politicians and others that tend to stand in the blood of veterans by yeah. making the laying of a wreath a show for their own personal yes. uh, branding. Yeah. Um, oh, don't worry, I'm on, I'm on the uh, it's on, I'm on the ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the ball. They know I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> They've had my letters and I've had replies. <laughs> yeah. So, but. Majority of them that have been um, involved in this um, have been so supportive. They really have, um, because the Italian campaign has got forgotten. And um, it, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. Um, I, I don't, I'm, my family, my uncles, they was in Africa. Um, and then Normandy, that sort of thing. So... They didn't make it to, to Italy, but the horrors of war, of any war, is costly. Mm -hmm. And it's costly in lives. And it's not just about someone sitting behind a desk, putting a pen through a map and saying, you're going here. Do you think that the, the Afghanistan, do you think that the Afghanistan conflict has um, helped people? connect to the idea of veterans and service and sacrifice? Do you think it's it's helped people be a little bit more aware? Um, I think modern society, it's raised more of an awareness of what um, the cost of war can be. I do think that. But um, also, we've had two world wars um, and we still keep fighting for something. And the cost is human life. Well, that's a good segue for a question I want to ask you. First, 
being English, you know, you're, um, it's different than being Canadian because we haven't had a bombing here. We haven't had uh, cities leveled uh, in, in Canada, but you have in the UK and it wasn't that long ago. Um, between that and the collection of stories that you've done, how do you feel about preludes to war? Like, under, are you a lot more um, tentative? about supporting your country going to war now? Um, I, that's, that's, um, it's not, it's not something, <clears throat> to be honest, that I've actually given it 100% support to. Um, I, I don't think in the sense of war can accomplish everything. Um, it's not always, it, it's the innocent that have to contribute to this. doesn't matter what war it is on whose side you're on. At the end of the day, the cost is life. I guess the point of my question is that it, it's been my experience that those that understand or have a better appreciation for the cost of war, as you now do from writing the book, are much less eager to go to war. Oh, no, I, I don't think um, all the answers lie in war. I, I really don't. Um, I is it is it so? Um, the fact that <clears throat> money, um, wealth, um, like the Italian campaign, <clears throat> it was the um, oil fields and <clears throat> collecting land. Um, you know, it's how much do you need before you declare war? What's enough? Is it enough land? Is it enough oil? Is it enough minerals? You can you can you can go by this every time. It'd be constantly in your head. How much do you need that doesn't compensate as greed? I mean, it's it's like. Um, I don't know, going back to even to the Native American Indians when they went west and, you know, they confiscated the Indian lands and things like that. Massive, you know, in the sense of how many people got slaughtered before they collected the land they needed. Most people don't know. It's 95%. 95% of the population was uh, and destroyed. Even today, they are still fighting for the Black Mountains. So how much does, a, you know, a country need to take from another country before it's got enough? What is the power? What is the reason behind the power? Because, you know, we're still trying, everybody is still trying to make a living. We're trying to work, you know, deal with everyday problems and um, some more than others. But when it comes down to taking a life, who makes that decision when it comes into the thousands? Swinging back to um, veterans resources, you say that you get calls and people reaching out to you and then you redirect them to resources. Uh, What resources do you tend to redirect veterans towards? 
we've got um well I'm in touch with um people that um usually if you need things like um here in, in Britain it's uh, the NHS um which you know some people don't want to relate to but we have um various military organizations that run by people that are or have been affected by the same um, problems they've gone through the same thing um they are the perfect people to actually start with um it, even if it's just call in and have a cup of tea you know um we have um contacts we have um people that just want help they just want advice they need a solicitor we've got so many um people that we can point them to um housing housing is a big problem in the uk for our veterans um they i can't i, I don't want to point the finger here without saying um when i when i go to chicago next week they are they've got a housing project going for veterans and it's amazing and hopefully i'm going to get a chance to have a look around and and meet a few of them we will see but um a family, yeah. a family here in Calgary um, has created the Homes for Heroes organization. Yes. And there's uh, yeah. a tiny village that's the first one was in Calgary. Now there's another one uh, that's been put up in in Edmonton, and there's more coming. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's incredible. So we don't have that here. We don't have anything like that here. Yeah. It's mostly run by charities, and if you want to point the finger, all you can say is, we have to look after our own. Yeah. Um, don't look to the government and that's the approach you seem to get from so many of them that have come to me and said we've got nothing um, that some places uh, some of them have like suddenly they're going to be homeless because they've lived in um, military quarters all, all the entire married life and things like that where do we start um, do we have enough for a mortgage or do we have to rent or you know and they are just stuck this, you know, like I say, with transition, it's it's a very big step. Well, that's it's a big a that's a big part of the reason for this show. This is an aggregate yeah, it, for resources. So I've had numerous. Stressful. It's very stressful. But um, I mean, one guy, <laughs> um, an ex-military um, friend, he messaged me and said, "I've just gone past the main road. There's a, a veteran on the side of the road." Uh, with a with a cardboard saying, um, "Can you help?" Um, someone stolen my tent and um, burnt my whatever, my possessions, um, ch- kids, teenagers, whatever. So I said, "Hang on a minute, where are you?" And it was something like down south somewhere. So I rang a friend. He went. He drove two hours to pick him up, and he. They took him home with him, fed him, uh, bathed him, whatever, and put him on the straight and narrow for a job. And it was like six months later, this random guy just messaged me and said, thank you. And that was it. You know, because all he needed was a step in the right direction. He wasn't a bad person. He was homeless through circumstances. You know, you've got to think... 
this person deserves a chance. And that's what it comes down to. Just a little bit of human kindness. Exactly. Sandra, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing with my audience the work that you've done and the experience that you had in creating your book, Blast from the Past. What's the best way to um, get a hold of your book? Um, there's, well, it's, it's worldwide. It's uh, Amazon, um, uh, Goodreads. You can uh, find it on there. You can get it most any places. Um, here, it's normally things like mainstream is Amazon, Um I don't know what you would have over there, to be honest. You know so, Amazon's um, worldwide. That's that's where yeah, I sell well, my yeah, books to. They get everywhere. They get everywhere. But Amazon would probably be the best one. But you can look at it um, on Amazon. You can um, check it out, whatever. There's, there's reviews. Um, there's also, there'll probably be another link where you can actually get it in Canada. I have had actually someone send me a photo from Canada saying, look what I've got. So <laughs> I know you can get it. So it's just a photo of it. They're like, look what I've got. So, you know, that was pretty great of him. But um, so you can't, you can actually get it in Canada, but here it's, it's the local shops. They get it um, on, I think Amazon is most likely for you, the, the mainstream one, but you can also contact me on my website. Um, SM rush um, is a email. Um, SM rush. Um, 2019 at gmail.com. All Well, Sandra, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, please stay on the line. Yes, thank you. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow and if there's an option there for rating please do so and this is why every time you click like leave a rating leave a comment what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast the help that you can't find doesn't help at all so help other people find this so that they can help themselves thank you thank you thank you and as always share share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring